going to get it out. Uh, our uh, Desiree's volleyball team beat us up pretty good. Well, they won. The um, exerting ourselves is what beat us up pretty good. But uh, but God is good. Praise the Lord. Uh, we will not be having uh, children's church this uh, morning. Um, so everybody gets to stay in with me today. Praise the Lord. Um, as I am talking, just turn your Bibles to the book of Titus chapter 2. That's what we're going to be mainly coming out of today. And um, I really appreciate you guys' prayers and support. Um, if it wasn't for you guys' faithfulness, uh, we wouldn't get to do some of the exciting things that we're going to be doing on the 31st. Wouldn't be able, Me and Dale would not be able to go to Chiapas and uh, to be a blessing to Bill and Tammy and, and, uh, and the lovely people there in Chiapas. Um, uh, all of this is because you guys have been faithful. Faithful in your giving, faithful in your attendance, faithful in your support, and faithful in your prayers. Uh, uh, you know, so uh, there is a reason that we've enjoyed God's favor despite all the stuff that's going on. Isn't there, you know, that's a testament to the goodness of our God, isn't it? That he is not influenced by the circumstances of life. Um, those of us who are walking in faithful obedience to the Lord, God's favor rests on us. And we will not be in lack. We will not be destitute. We will be able to advance the kingdom. We'll be able to minister to the needs of others. We've been able to bless uh, so many people. And it doesn't get mentioned a lot from the front of the house. Um, this is more than I've spoken on it probably since I've been the pastor here uh, going on two years and stuff. But uh, And maybe we need to do a better job of that. But there is so much that this church body, there's so many ways this church body is blessing our fellow members who have been in need, our community uh, here in Stillwater and, and throughout the state and abroad, uh, various mission works that are uh, globally, those that have come out of this church and those that we have developed an affiliation with, you know, just, just, through, uh, just through during uh, laboring in the Lord. Right. And so there are so many ways in which you have been a blessing that, uh, that is uh, unknown to you. Uh, we'll do a better job of making that known to you. But I just want to commend you and bless you in the Lord and say thank you, New Covenant Fellowship body. Uh, those present and those watching via Facebook Live, um, uh, we love you and uh, we are grateful to God for you and, and we thank the Lord for you. Um, without you, none of this would be possible. Uh, and I know all praise and glory goes to the Lord, but it still depends on our obeying God and being faithful. And so, um, you know, uh, praise God for your new covenant fellowship family. Um, for as a title today, I'm just going to be talking about what Paul, uh, so to Timothy, the subjects today's, of today's message is adorn or make attractive the gospel. Adorning. You know, 
Uh, adorning means to beautify, right? A bride to be, you know, she's not just going to put on anything to walk down that aisle, right? She's going to be adorned in a beautiful dress with a train. She's going to be adorned with all kinds of, 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 of either jewelry, the hair is going to be whipped and, and, and done and spun and whatever kind of way, all that's going to happen. Likewise, the groom is not going to go up there in some ratty, wrinkly T-shirt. The occasion is special. This is a, this is a precious moment in life. This is a, a covenant that's being made before God, and, and everybody is going to look the part, right? You know, how many of you know that we are the bride of Christ? All of us collectively, this may be a mind blower for guys, and it's going to be hard for us to go there, but we are also a part of the bride of Christ. We're husbands, those of us who are married, but we're also brides. Get your mind around that. That's, that's a tough sell, I know. The picture in your mind, mind don't, I hope your mind doesn't explode. God made us male, but in the body, the body collectively is the bride of Christ. And we need to submit to him in that, right? I'm going to hold off on some things I want to say until I read a few verses here. Let's start in the first verse. We'll do the whole chapter, and uh, we'll do that as efficiently as possible. But there is some good stuff in here, and I really want to make time to get through it. Uh, first five verses. You, however, must teach what is appropriate to sound doctrine. Teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, and sound in faith. All these attributes, this is critically important for us. Uh, and we'll, and we'll uh, talk about why as we, as we continue on. But teach the older men. Older men, highlight, start this in your Bible because this is what you're striving for. And younger men are going to need you to be in God's order in your conduct here, right? Because what we're, if everybody does our part, if everybody fits in and walks in obedience to God and what is in these, uh, what is in these um, verses in Titus, you know, it weaves a tapestry that is attractive. It, 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 it weaves and, and yields a result that is a beautiful. It is an adorning of what is being taught as biblical truth, seen, lived out, the, the, the product of it, the result of it is a beautiful thing that becomes attractive to those who may not be believers. Are you hearing me? So teach the older men. Hope the older men have their pencils. To be temperate, worthy of respect. You want respect? Be worthy of respect self-controlled and sound in faith and in love and in endurance. Likewise, teach the older women. Now, older women, this we have need of you in this. Teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live. 
not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Now, so far, God isn't asking something insane of us. He's asking stuff that we're full well capable of doing. And in Christ, we've been freed from the bondage of sin. So we have the capability to do it in the grace of God. But to teach what is good. Then, everybody say then. All right. So older men, older women, start there. And then they can urge the younger women to love their husbands and children. To be self-controlled and pure. To be busy at home. To be kind and to be subject to their husbands so that no one will malign the word of God. Now, it finishes right there, and it tells you why. All these things that it said of the older men, older women, uh, uh, young men, younger women, why are we doing this? So that no one will be able to malign the word of God. There is a consistency in conduct that supports the biblical truth. What we're teaching you is not just theory. What we're teaching you is biblical truth, and we as his disciples apply this to our lives and live it out to the glory of God. Not because we've figured this thing out in and of ourselves, but because it is the command of our God. And we bring ourselves in order under him. So that no one will malign the word of God. Let's go on to verses 6 through 8. Similarly, encourage the young men to be self-controlled. In everything, set them an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned. So that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. Now, we're talking about making the gospel attractive. It's talking about conduct that speaks well of or is befitting of the gospel. We're keeping the gospel in mind as we are deciding how we're going to respond and how we're going to live and how we're going to conduct ourselves in this society that we're in. And it's important that he says in your teaching, Titus, show integrity. We need to make sure that when we're teaching stuff, it, it, it's, it has biblical integrity. That we're not using scripture or bending scripture to support a theory or support an ideology or to support what we want to do. But we are conforming to the genuineness of what scripture says. We're not using scripture as a weapon. We're speaking the truth in love. And our objective is to glorify God and to reach the lost. So show integrity, seriousness, 
and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned. We need to watch our rhetoric. We don't need to be participating in character assassination or tearing people down or, 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 uh, or taking what's on our Facebook feed and fanning the flames of nonsense that isn't rooted in truth. Let that not be something that the bride of Christ participates in. If it is truth, if it glorifies God, if it edifies those who need to be edified, if it speaks the truth and love, we're going to do that which glorifies him that makes the, in a way that makes the gospel attractive. We're not going to be drawn into a worldly battle where we justify attitudes or behaviors that don't represent Christ. With an attitude that the ends justify the means. That's not Christ. Because the ends don't justify the means in Jesus. Amen? And so, soundness of speech that cannot be condemned so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. Another way of saying that is, it's not, it's not necessarily having any, nothing to say bad about us. It's like those who are observing us, who are looking for things to twist looking for a bad report, some kind of way to try and discredit or disqualify the gospel, uh, not just to disqualify us, but to disqualify the Lord Jesus and the gospel that we represent and that we're advancing. And with that being their objective, they have nothing bad to report. They want to deliver a bad report. They want to defame the gospel they want people to not come to christ they want people to reject what the church has to offer but if we are conducting ourselves fully in obedience to the lord and presenting a beautiful gospel that we're not doing anything that's worthy of being condemned there's nothing bad to report to their shame And I think we have to examine ourselves. Are we sometimes doing things that give them something to report? Are we doing ugly things instead of beautifying the gospel? What's the reverse of adorning? I don't want to say unadorning. Huh? Defacing? All right, instead of adorning, we're defacing the gospel. We don't want to do that. Um, so we, we started off with the first five verses talking to older men, older women, younger women, what we should be doing and how that relationship dynamic should be working so that no one will malign the word. Then it goes on, young men, I know this is not what's taught to you, but you need to be self-controlled. You need to take life seriously. Everything is not a game to be won. You don't, don't, don't live your life with the attitude of, I'll get around to that tomorrow. Because anything beyond today isn't promised to you. It's glorified in movies, it's glorified in music, it's glorified in a lot of mediums that we are exposed to today to shuck 
those uh, uh, self-control and, and, and just follow your heart or just follow your dreams and this, that, and the other. It's one thing to follow your dreams if they're God-given dreams. It's another, you know, it's all right to follow your dreams if you're not compromising your walk with the Lord in pursuit of those dreams. Pursuing something doesn't mean that we don't need to be self-controlled in the pursuit of it. The temptations of life are a problem to us if we lack self-control. And I believe it is intentional that he, all of them, all these groups, older men, older women, younger women, all need self-control but he really emphasized that with the young men. A lot of, talking about the issue of abortion, there are a lot of young women who are, who are put in a difficult situation to make a decision about it. And, and, and we can look at the end result and try to encourage them not to have abortions and everything, but let's, grow, let's roll back the tape and consider how that typically, how we typically get to that point. How we typically get to that point is the lack of self-control. Young men's hormones racing, racing, pursuing, pursuing conquests, not wanting to be fathers, not wanting to be husbands, but 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 are wanting to engage in intercourse. Right? They have. This urge, and it's a God-given one, but there is also a God remedy for it. <laughs> there is a God-prescribed process for that. That includes marriage, right? And if we don't really harp on self-control and let these young men know how they should keep themselves and how they should, how they should subject those desires to God and be holy, And keep themselves pure and holy before God. But a lot of problems in society are the result of a lack of self-control. And a lot of them are result of a lack of self-control from men. A, a lack of self-control that started as boys, young men that never learned to gain it. Who become older men still lacking self-control. And we have a lot of women and families that are suffering as a result. And Titus says, and Paul tells him, you're going to have to deal with that. Encourage the young men to be self-controlled. And not only encourage them, they need more than your words. They need your example. And everything, set an example by doing what is good yourself. And I'm talking to you today not as a man that Grew up in the church, and I was all pious all of my life and everything. No, 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 no. I was wild, and I was out there. God came and snatched me out of, the, out of, out of darkness into his marvelous light. I lacked self-control, and I, and I faced some consequences, and uh, there is some healing that others have had to go through. And I pray to God that they have gotten the healing that they've needed, but it resulted from my lack of self-control. There's pain that I caused. 
from being determined to feed my own lust, no matter how it affected others. So the young men need self-control. We all do. I, I read a report years ago, and I won't say the particular denomination or whatever, because I believe it's, it's not a denominational thing. It's a man thing, whether you're in the church or not. And it, and it, was, and it had to do with uh, pornography. And you had a church convention at, these, that, that, uh, at a certain city, and these hotels were just filled with these Christian men and Christian leaders. And during the time period of that convention where all these Christian guys were together, you know, the, uh, you know, you can do the on demand and order stuff. The, the, the requests of, of uh, pornographic movies and so forth was as high as it ever been during that time when it was primarily lodged by Christian men who were there for the purpose of a Christian convention. And we as a body of Christ are going to have to deal with that or answer to God. There are problems out there in the world, but, but, but I tell you what, judgment begins in the house of God. Revival begins in the house of God. That, who knows what percentage of us here today have an issue with that, with pornography or anything else or lust or whatever. You know, and the devil wants you to stay quiet about it and stay isolated instead of coming to those of us who are trusted leaders, sharing it, getting it out there so that we can deal with it and you can become, you, you, can, you, you can gain mastery over that thing that has mastered you up to this point. God wants you free. He knows what you're doing. And he loves you anyway. So it makes no sense to try and keep it quiet or let the devil make you afraid to make known what your struggle is. I can't speak for every church, but I can speak for this church that, that if, you're, if you're transparent and you, and you reveal that whatever your struggle is, we're going to love you through it in the Lord. We'll, be account, we'll hold you accountable. We'll speak the truth, but we'll do it in love. We're going to endeavor to the best of our ability to, to, to be for you what God's called us to be, to be for you what you need us to be in order for you to conquer that thing that has, that has uh, uh, held you in bondage for so long. But it's time to get serious. It's time to join the fight. To answer the call for self-control. Are you hearing me? Uh, let's, let's move on. Uh, uh, Titus uh, 9 and 10. Uh, actually, uh, y'all, if you don't mind, before we go to 9 and 10, uh, I want to show you what Peter had to say in, in uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, verses uh, 1 through 7. 
And I'll just read it, spoke about it briefly, and we'll get back to Titus. Um, because we talked about the uh, wives and husbands and how that dynamic works and everything. We, we got it from Paul. Now let's get it from Peter. Wives, verse 1, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. You know, <laughs> there is encouragement in that, and there's also a little bit of, there's a, there's a big challenge in that. Because this tells you at times, the husband may be acting in a way that's not in accordance with God's will. And what do we do? You know, what do, what do you do as a wife in those situations? And the, there is a great movie, uh, Christy will know what I'm talking about, <laughs> that War Room. There's a, great, there's a great movie called War Room where this gets depicted. The husband is way out of line. He's way out there. He's showing up in church, but his heart is not soft before God. Him and his wife are fighting. They, it seems that separation and divorce is imminent, and she meets this old lady. And this old lady, I tell you, I can't even remember her name in the movie, but she was a bulldog. She was persistent. She was annoying. She stuck her nose all in this woman's business. She had an anointing on it. But uh, I tell you what, uh, it could, if, if not for the grace of God, her insistence on being involved in this woman's life and investing the way that she did uh, could have, it could have led to some intense moments of fellowship. But this, without making long, a long story longer than it needs to be, basically this older woman had regret. She saw that this younger girl, this younger woman was trying to fight, but she wasn't fighting a good fight. She fought. She was fighting her husband the way that she fought her husband. And she lost her husband. And before there was ever full reconciliation there, and he died. And she prayed to God. You know, she learned a lot of things through that that uh, she was fighting the way the enemy wanted her to fight and not fighting a good fight the way that God wanted her to fight. And she learned how to fight the good fight of faith in the Lord. Too late for her, but she wanted to make a difference in other women's lives. And she prayed that God would bring those women with such need to her so that she could be a positive, godly influence. And she was determined she she was she did that with tenacity and um she continued and she counseled uh and counseled this woman and instead of confronting and fighting and arguing with her husband all the time she created a prayer closet a literal she had a walk-in closet that looked like a small bedroom and she took out all the shoes and everything and she made that whole war room and everything that was an issue with her marriage, her family, and everything, she, she stuck all those prayers up on the wall. 
And she would put those prayers up there and she would continue to pray it. And whenever God answered her prayer, there was, it was put over on the victory wall, right? And she continued, but she would pray for her husband, the, uh, 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 godly character traits that were lacking, she would pray that he would develop those, that God would convict him. And so she would sit God on him. That, 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 that's what she did. She sit God on him. And he was, he was not honest in business. And he was on the verge of cheating on his wife. On a business trip. He had dinner with this woman, and both of them made it obvious that they intended for the night to not just end with dinner. A friend texted her and said, hey, I just saw your husband with, uh, with the lady and such and such. Uh, you know anything about that? She saw the text. She remembered what the lady told her, and she went into prayer. And right when they paid the bill and were getting ready to go, her husband got sick. She didn't know all the details. She just prayed that God, to God not to allow him to feed his lust, not allow him to do anything that, you know, out of integrity that would lead to damage. I can't remember exactly how she prayed, but she prayed consistently, Lord, deal with him. And the Lord dealt with him. That encounter didn't end as him and that woman had planned. He wasn't restored. He wasn't uh, repentant and restored yet. But shortly after that, his dishonest business dealings got found out. And he was exposed and he lost his job. And that could have ended. He expected a fight when he got home. But because of what she had been doing, you know, she prayed for certain things to be exposed. She prayed for him to be under conviction and for him to repent and trusted how God was going to do it. God brought the things that were in dark to light. Exposed his misdeeds. And when he came home expecting a fight, expecting her to just rip him a new one. She came and while she was surprised with the news, she had a soft heart and she said, okay, uh, we're going to be okay. And, and, and she told him she believed in him. She said the other, and she, she had the grace of God all over her so much so that it almost caused a fight because it didn't make sense to him why she was uh, treating him with such respect. They fought, they argued, because he was such a hard-hearted individual, but, and she stayed respectful. She let God do it. And then somewhere along the way, he stumbled onto her closet and saw her prayer history for him. And, and something broke in that moment. He realized that while he was harboring all this hard, heart toward his wife and, and being judgmental that his wife was going before God on his behalf. That she was praying God's call and purpose on his life. 
that she was praying for his success and praying for when God, he didn't stumble on that by happenstance. God directed him to that. And it broke, it broke his heart. They got restored and redeemed and he became a, a new man. And you may not have to watch it after all that now, but, uh, as you can tell, I really like that movie, right? It, it's, it's amazing. It made him a better father and everything. And, uh, uh, trust me, my little brief, rough summary of it does not do the movie justice. I still would encourage you to see it. Um, it's, uh, what's her name? It's got uh, Priscilla Schreier uh, stars in that. Uh, excellent movie that goes against the grain of how the world or even how the legal system would encourage you to fight. It goes against the grain. It's, it makes us peculiar in that it really emphasizes the way to fight in obedience to God, the way God would have you fight, which is the good fight of faith. And so uh, I, I know that there's a lot of hurts that have been caused uh, not only hurts, but there's been a lot of damage that's been caused by men as it pertains to women and both professing Christians and non-Christians that make this hard. But it's, it, it, but it's God's word, right? And we're going to have to work through that in order, in our desire to obey God, right? And do things God's way because we're presenting his gospel, his truth. Amen. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or, or fine clothes, but rather it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet Spirit, Dale was talking about being quiet before the Lord, of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. It may not be great worth, it may not be perceived as being of great worth in society's eyes, but it is of great worth in God's sight. Gentle and quiet spirit. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. I'm not saying you should call your husband Lord. That's not, that's not the doctrine here, right? But she did have, so, so, God, so, so guys, you know, don't, don't, don't be uh, expecting that, don't be twisting my words here. But you are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. How many things are done if we looked at them intently? They were, they're done out of fear. We're fearful of getting mistreated. We're fearful of being taken advantage of. We're, you know, we're, we're fearful of getting misused or abused. We're, we're, we're fearful of things. So then we act in a way to counter what we're afraid might be done to us. But when we act in that, isn't that also showing a lack of faith? 
If we're not obeying what God says, but we're doing something to protect ourselves, fear is leading us and we're not acting in faith. Would y'all agree with that? Uh, so, so women, you are daughters of Sarah if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life. Your, your, your wife is not just there to serve you. Your wife is also a daughter of God. She is also a, a partaker with you of the gracious gift of life. And so that needs to be respected, and, and we need to be considerate of our wives in that manner. It's not just an issue of subservience. But we have been told as husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Right? And so I would... I can't tell you enough, men, that we need to be modeling the way that we view, the way that we regard and think of, the way that we love our wives after the way Christ loved his church. And I love how this ends, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. I know, uh, let's, uh, Titus 2, verses 9 and 10. Going, it says slaves here in the NIV. Uh, probably more accurate to say bond servants, which is not all that different in a way with uh, employer-employee. But teach slaves to be subject to their masters in everything, to try to please them. Not to talk back to them and not to steal from them, but to show that they can be fully trusted so that in every way they will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. We're talking about adorning the gospel. We're talking about making it attractive. You know, there is a greater purpose to doing these good deeds, to behaving in this way, because we represent Jesus. We are presenting the gospel to people, whether we're uttering it orally or not. Whether we're professing John 3.16 or not, if you are a disciple of Christ, you are preaching a gospel as much through conduct as you would through word. And so how we conduct ourselves as an employee, as a citizen, as a neighbor, as a student, as a teacher, you know, uh, as a city worker, whatever you do, how you conduct yourself in that is part of the presentation of the gospel. If we are walking as those who are free from the bondage of sin and we're peculiar in our attitude, we don't, we don't fight fire with fire. It's not a, 
uh, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, but we're able to love those who, who treat us poorly. We're able to forgive. Uh, it just issues out of us. There's a grace on us, a peace on us that doesn't make sense. Uh, the joy of the Lord remains on us all the time, not because we're Pollyanna and we're just super optimistic, but, but we know our Redeemer. And the joy that he gives us isn't dependent on circumstance because we, we're a part of a kingdom that is eternal. The right now, the, the, the dimension that we live in is temporal. Heaven and earth is going away as we know. Them. But the word of God will never perish. And there is a day, there is a blessed day when Jesus is going to return. And we're going to meet him in the air. And we don't know what we're going to look like, but we know we're going to be just like him. Amen. And forever shall we be with the Lord. And we need to be always looking and focusing and mindful of that day. Because he's coming back for a bride without spot or wrinkle. He's coming back for a bride that's properly adorned. For the grace of God, and I, for, you can just put in that word, because, all right? We've done all this, these first eight verses. We just come out of saying what the slaves should do and how they, the attitude and how they should conduct themselves towards their masters. Proving themselves to be fully trusted so that in every way they will make the teaching about God, our Savior, attractive. For or because the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. And we can't just gloss over that. That's the motivation. The grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. And that's a message that we're presenting. And that's a message that should be attractive. And that should motivate us to make it as attractive as possible so that it's palatable so people can receive it. So there needs to be some consistency between what we say and what we do. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. That's great news. And it ought to be, you know, it, it, it ought to be proclaimed by us in every way possible so that it gets people's attention and it whets their appetite for the gospel that we are presenting. If it can do that in your life, can it do that for me? What must I do to be saved? All of us want that. We want new, we want unchurched, unbelievers to come to the Lord, to taste and see that the Lord is good. We don't just want people shifting from church to church. We want to reach those who are in the harvest field that God has called us to reach. And bring them out of darkness into his marvelous light. Well, herein lies that challenge. Let's make the gospel attractive. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, 
who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself of people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. These, then, are the things you should teach. Encourage and rebuke with all authority. Do not let anyone despise you. I'm going to, I have a couple other scriptures, but I'm going to, I'm going to stop there. So I'm going to read this again and, and, and then we'll, we'll draw it to a close. We have Jesus. He is ours and we are his. We have the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwelling on the inside of us. We have a gospel that we know is a gospel of salvation. We have a gospel that we know is true. That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. And we know that this gospel is by grace through faith. It can't be earned nor does it need to be earned. It was purchased for us through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And every dirty, filthy, evil deed that's ever been done is covered under the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You are redeemable. You are lovable. The neighbor you can't stand is redeemable, is lovable. The politician you can't stand is redeemable, is lovable. Trolls on the internet are redeemable. <laughs> they are lovable. Christ died for them. People who have hurt you, damaged you, offended you are redeemable. They are loved by God. Salvation is for them. And who are we to allow our own personal grievances To prevent us from adorning the gospel for any and all who need the gospel. You see, it's not really about us and how we feel. It's about the heart of our Lord. And whether we're going to honor that or not. Are you hearing me? The grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Whether they be Afghan families, the 40 that's uh, coming into our community, whether they're from the Middle East, the Far East, whether they're from America, South America, Russia, it, it doesn't matter where, where, whether they're from some 
tribe nobody's ever heard about. The grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no. Everybody say no. No. The grace of God. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. And I I thought about that. It, It distinguished ungodliness and worldly passions. We can still be wrong and give, we can give way to worldly passions that are not necessarily ungodly, but are still wrong and need to be said no to. You know, it's not wrong for a young man to look at a young lady and say, Wow, she's hot. When I first saw my darling wife, Christy, the initial attraction wasn't necessarily, oh, she looks so godly. Let's just be real. And I, <laughs> You know, but but that worldly, if I subjected that and I, and I let worldly passions govern that, I could have spoiled the whole thing. If my pursuit was something other than the fact that God answered my prayer when I said, Lord, I know there's the one you have for me out there. All I ask is you make it clear to me and I will pursue her. And he made it clear that she was the one. And I said, yes, Lord. And I began to pursue her. And for the first time and only time in my life, I was pursuing a woman for some, a, a higher purpose than just my own personal lusts. She wasn't just some woman. She was the woman God had for me. She was my future wife and mother of my children and, 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 and uh, my help me. She, she, she was what God provided. My soulmate. And that changed and, and, and governed my, my entire approach. <laughs> was changed because my perspective had changed. Worldly passions weren't running the show anymore. It's not a sin for opposite or for, uh, uh, you know, for, for there to be attractions, for opposites to attract. It's not a sin for someone to be interested in someone. But sin can result if we don't subject those passions to the Lord. That we might live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope. My gosh, say blessed hope. 
it's not just about now. We, we, we've got one eye on the now, one eye on the blessed hope, right? So we're living for God, self-controlled lives, upright lives, godly lives, while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness, And to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. The Lord wants to purify his bride. He's redeemed us from evil. He's redeemed us from the power of sin. Sin has nothing over us anymore. And imagine how amazing of of a testimony, how amazing of a presentation of the power of the gospel it is for people to be redeemed from the power of sin, to be able to choose to live righteously, upright, godly lives in the face of the same temptations that the world is succumbing to. If there really are people out there, there are men out there who are able to respect and love women as Christ loved the church. They're out there. If there are godly women out there who won't give in to fear, who are daughters of Sarah, amen? That there actually are employees that that, that will give their best, that will do their work as unto the Lord, that won't steal, that won't take advantage of their bosses, but, but, but they will respect them, not talk back, and do their best to give them the most excellent service. Because their eye isn't just on the today, their eye is also on the blessed hope. Jesus is coming. He's going to return. No man knows the day nor the hour, but he's returning. And he's returning for a bride that has allowed herself to be washed in the word. That has been purified in him. Who has made herself ready for the return of Jesus. And in so doing, has presented the gospel, has adorned it, beautified it, made attractive the gospel of Jesus. I'm going to ask you to stand. Father God, I just pray for your wonderful people here, Lord. Father God, we've got people of different backgrounds, different professions, different stages of life, different uh, ethnicities and nationalities and so forth, Lord, but all of that just represents the wonderful diversity of the body of Christ. Father, I just thank you for challenging us today. 
to beautify the teaching about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to beautify the gospel in the eyes of those who don't know you. Convict us, Father God, in those areas where we've struggled, where we failed. I rebuke you, devil, that I rebuke you, devil, in every life that may be represented here personally or watching on Facebook, Lord, I rebuke the devil who lies to any child of God and draws them into fear of confessing their sin, keeps them in bondage for fear that they will be judged and condemned and rejected and seen as vile. I rebuke you, devil, because that's a lie that you have told God's daughters and sons in a way to keep them isolated and defeated. And instead, I speak the truth. As pastor of New Covenant Fellowship Church, that if that describes you in any way, God doesn't condemn you and neither do we. God loves you even in the pit that you're in and that freedom is yours in Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus that was shed it still will still cleanse you whiter than snow. It'll wash your sin away. All you need to do is acknowledge your sin and repent. Confess it and repent. And 1 John 1, 9 says that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That is the truth. The devil has lied to you. Don't let the devil's lies keep you in bondage. Don't let the devil's lies prevent you from moving in humility and faith to gain your freedom. And to present the gospel in a manner that is well adorned, attractive, that shows forth the genuine power and love and grace and mercy of our God. Father God, I I just bless your people in Jesus' name and I pray that you are glorified as this word is planted in the good soil where it will flourish it will germinate, it will grow it will bloom it will abound to your glory and that collectively we will continue to adorn the the, the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in Jesus name we pray Amen. 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 Praise the Lord.